Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So this morning, I'm so excited, like I said, to see all of you in the room, excited about what God is doing here among us. And uh, how many of you last week came to the first service last, last week? What'd y'all do with all that extra Sunday time? Went back to sleep, uh, beat everyone to the restaurant. What'd you do? Because I know that was definitely a change of momentum for you having the whole day ahead of you. Um, and we hope that it, 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 the first service appeals to those that like to get up early and get out early. And, but let me tell you what, the heartbeat of everything we're doing, guys, is not to shortchange anything that you can leave just as full as you've ever come and went in this place. And we're going to leave room for what God wants to do. And uh, we're just excited um, to just see what God does in and through the two services. Uh, It was definitely a little stretch for me because it was like, oh, man, that first service was good. And there was pressure for the second service last week. But we've seen God's faithfulness even in this short time of just one weekend of uh, being able to... um, just uh, see his goodness. You know, I believe that he flavors each service slightly different based on who's in the room. Because every single morning we come with different needs. We come with different expectations. And it's, it's normally based on us in regards to what God does in the space. When we come ready, excited for worship, guess what? Worship just happens. When you show up, you had to spank every single kid. You ran out of coffee. And you showed up, sometimes how many of you know you got to get into it? Sometimes you got to say, soul, come on, you got to get, but we know that that, that's real life. You don't always wake up expecting and ready, but we have to stir ourselves up to be ready and to be expectant. So we are in week two of our come and see series. And, And this last week we looked at the woman at the well and how we talked about how Jesus actually met the woman at the well, that it was Jesus seeking out the woman versus the woman seeking out Jesus. And we know that whenever we have a Jesus encounter, it changes everything. So this morning we're going to look at the story of John the Baptist and how Jesus showed up at the riverside. He showed up in that moment and we're going to look at John's perspective, but it is important this morning to to see Jesus for who he really was. And there was a question that John said in the story and he said, are you the one? Now I want to challenge you before we jump into this message to ask yourself that question. Are you the one in regards to Jesus? Are you the one in regards to God? Because for your, the stability of your salvation, you have to answer that question. You have to be confident of who God is. You have to be reassured of who God is. You need to know that God is who he said he was. And if there's any doubt, if there's any concern, if there's any wavering in your spirit, I hope that this morning after this message that you will be reassured where you will know that God is who he said he was. Because we all deal with doubt. We all deal with insecurity. You know, seeing, not seeing, but yet having to believe all of these things that, that are challenged. So we're going to step into a little bit deeper, looking closer at the life of Jesus, understanding the, the testimony and the ministry of Jesus through John's account. But this morning, um, how many of you have ever had a friend who often made outlandish statements about their life? Anybody? They always hyped it up. They always told the story. Maybe they were telling a fishing story that they caught the biggest fish and it just so happens that fish is always bigger than yours. 
right? They always have it. Or they, they tell about their heroic life experiences, right? It doesn't matter what happened in your life, but in their life, it was always better. They can jump higher. They can run faster, just like they got a brand new pair of PF Flyers. Anybody know that? Okay. All you young ones are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, but the, the story is always exaggerated. It's an exciting life story. They can outperform everyone in the room. And our response to those individuals is like, right, because we know the person. Well, let me tell you what. Jesus did not only make claims of who he was, but he proved who he was. And that's the difference in Jesus' life. He didn't make outlandish statements and didn't prove them, but he proved by what he did who he was. And we've got to see that this morning. That helps us rest assured that we know Jesus is who he said he was, by what he did, by what he said, by his life. So John the Baptist in the book of Matthew, he was baptizing Jesus, and, and he saw and he heard the voice of the Lord speak over Jesus as he baptized him. So he saw and he heard, and he still battled with the question, are you the one? So the question that you have to settle, I'm going to reiterate this one more time. You have to settle in your heart this morning. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you understand? And can you answer the question, is Jesus the one? Can you answer that question for yourself? So in Matthew 3, 11 through 16, we're going to jump in and we're going to look real quick at the life of, of John the Baptist prior to this moment. And, and we can see this Jesus encounter and what happened and the whole explanation of this. Uh, Matthew 3, 11 through 16, it says, I baptize you with water for repentance. This is John talking. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I, I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the, his threshing floor, gather his wheat into the barns, and burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And then we look in that passage, and it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. So let me pause there just for a moment. John always understood the prophetic word of the Lord that Jesus was coming, and that his role was to prepare the people for Jesus' coming. Now, Somebody being really assured of their purpose, because that's what I see in John's life. He knew what he was supposed to be doing. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. And we see in this story as it unfolds that there's a moment when Jesus shows up at the, at the river's edge, at the Jordan River, where all of a sudden it begins to change. And we begin to see John's ministry kind of be reduced and Jesus' ministry take off. But even in this wordage, what he was saying from his mouth, he knew what was going to happen. Sounds like he understands what's happening. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to baptize with fire. Then Jesus is going to come. He's going to clear the threshing floor. We see all of this wordage in here where John understands. In verse 14, but John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. Um, and did you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented and then verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, look at look what happened here. Jesus, as he came out of the water at that moment, the heavens were open and he saw. Who saw this? John. He saw what happened. It says, he saw the spirit of God descend like a dove and a light on him. And a voice, so if we hear a voice, that means we heard it and we saw it. A voice from heaven said, this is my son. Whom I love, 
with him I am well pleased. Okay, so this is the start of the story. This is a great start to a story, and I would love for me to be in John's position because I have seen and I have heard, heard the voice of God audibly, seen the Spirit descend like a dove. It wasn't a dove that fluttered down, but it symbolized, it looked like the descending of a dove that came and rested and dwelt in Jesus. So saw all of this right here as soon as he baptized, saw it, heard it. And then shortly after John, uh, of John's ministry with baptizing Jesus, um, John was placed in prison. So I, I would challenge you this morning that oftentimes it's not what we've seen and what we've heard, but the condition of life that changes our perspective. Because when John was at the river's edge, he knew what he saw. He believed what he saw. But some, we're going to look at the, the rest of this story because then he's shortly thrown in prison. And in John three twenty eight, this is this is John. Also, he says, uh, "You yourself can testify that I, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him." So he was clear that his role was not to be the Messiah, but to prepare a place. In John three thirty, it says, "He must become greater, and I must become less." So when we look at all these passages, we're piecing all of John's thoughts together that, hey, I'm here to prepare the way. When Jesus shows up, I'm to decrease and he is to increase. He saw everything, but then a little bit later, he's thrown into prison. And then in prison, we're going to go to the prison account now because the same guy, but he's in prison. Sometimes prison will change your perspective. Maybe, and you say, well, I've never been in prison. Maybe the position that you're in, in life will change your perspective. But here's what in Matthew 11, two through six, it says, when John who was in prison, heard about the deeds or works of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect somebody else? Okay, so we see a complete breakdown of where John was to where he is now in this account. He says, can you go ask just in case? I've had a lot of time to think. I'm imprisoned. My thoughts, I'm just alone with my thoughts and I want to verify, are you truly the one? So they go, they send, and he sends his disciples because he was imprisoned. And then in verse four, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. Imagine that. He goes back to the same thing. What you see and what you hear matters. And then he says in verse five, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the good news is being proclaimed to the poor. Now, that's a good spot for a praise break. If you don't know what a praise break is, that's where excitement in your spirit stirs up. You begin to shout. You begin to be excited. But many of, the, many of us don't necessarily understand that because we've never seen that. If we begin to believe like John had to believe, what Jesus said he was going to do and who he was is who he is, it changes the whole perspective. Let me read that list one more time, see if we can stir up some faith this morning. This is what he said. He says, the blind receive their sight. What if you couldn't see and then you can see? It's a big deal. What if you couldn't walk? It says, the lame began to walk. Those with leprosy, body, things on their skin became made cleansed. The deaf hear. Let's say you never heard and all of a sudden you can hear. It's a big thing. The dead are raised. And the best part of this, that the good news is being proclaimed to the, to the poor. Lord. It's a good thing. It's an exciting thing. What if we shouted like we really wanted those things to happen? What if we really expected those things to happen? But it kind of catches us off, right? Because, well, pastor, I hadn't seen and I hadn't heard. Well, let me tell you what. God calls you to faith this morning. 
Because that is the essence of faith. It's believing in those things that you can't see. Just because you haven't seen them doesn't mean that they're not true. And a lot of times we don't see what God wants us to see or experience what God wants us to experience because we've limited our faith. We've tried to believe in what we can grasp or what we can see. But this morning, I want to challenge you. Can you believe in who Jesus was? Not in who you are or what you're capable of because I can't heal anybody. It's by Jesus and the Holy Spirit inside of him, the authority that God gave him that these things happen. But guess what? Where do you think Holy Spirit lives now? Hmm. Well, if the Holy Spirit was a healer and a deliverer that would cause blind eyes to open, that would open deaf ears in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, if that same Spirit lives in me, he didn't change. He didn't withhold anything. It was the conduit. It's me and you. Let's let you sit with that for a minute. So what can we learn this morning from John the Baptist? As we answer that question, are you the one? And I want to challenge your faith this morning. Either Jesus was who he said he was or he wasn't. He either was the son of God or he was the world's greatest fraud. Because he strategically fulfilled all of the prophecies. You know, there was even that debate. He said, no, 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 you should baptize me. But it was biblical that he would be baptized by John. So Jesus was very meticulous in his details that he would fulfill all of the things that the scripture demanded. So we're going to look at three ways this morning to know that he is the one. Will that help you? Three? I'm going to give you at least three. There might be other ones that you need to grow in. But number one, you need to remember what you have heard and what you have seen. Number one, remember what you've, what you've heard and what you've seen. It really, it really startles me that John, as much as he saw and he heard, he forgot. Because by his response, that's what it seems like. Well, go ask. Just, just double check. Make sure this is still the same guy. You know, um, you know what, whatever the condition and position that he was in changed his thought process where there was doubt. We didn't see a John that was full of faith in the riverside, but we saw someone struggling in their faith in prison. Identity crisis, whatever. But he said with his own mouth, I must decrease and Jesus must increase. Could this have perhaps been part of God's master plan? He had to remove John from the equation so that Jesus... You know, and if you look at the beginning of that passage, the, the, the passage actually starts where many people heard that Jesus was baptizing more people than John. But it wasn't really John or Jesus that was doing it. It was disciples. So there was this debate on who was the, who was the supreme authority. Who was God's man? Well, it just so happened that Jesus was the son of God. And in that moment, he was to increase and John was to decrease. So remember what you've seen and heard. God revealed Jesus as his son. John saw the spirit descend, on, descend like a dove on Jesus. Following the, the baptism, he heard the voice of God confirming that Jesus was the son of God. If you have ever heard an audible voice from God, I hope you remember that. Right, and this is, this is way worse than mama yelling at you, getting your attention, right? In a moment of where you're not paying attention, when the voice of the Lord speaks, everything stops. You won't mistake in it. You won't not realize what it is. It will be the one voice that you hear. Um, so remember, so 2 Peter 1, 12 through 13, it says, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them, and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Verse 13, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. And that is my goal and responsibility is to remind you. 
Remind you what God has done. Remind you what you have seen. Remind you what you have heard. Because we can often forget. All through scripture, be reminded. How many of you know there's tons of scriptures that say meditate, think on, remember, don't forget. Because we realize that our mind fails us. You know, I'm one of those guys that I think I will remember. But let me tell you what, if I don't write it and I don't write it down, you're going to forget I think the older we get sometimes, maybe that's, that's the case. I'll let you know when I get older. <laughs> um, but I, I think that our minds can and will fail us to, at times. So what about when the circumstances are causing a wavering in our spirit? You know, I believe that he was there with his thoughts in, in kind of a deep, the deepest, darkest moment of his life. Um, and he asked that question. So we have to realize that the situation we're in sometimes won't make sense and it won't be what we thought it was. And we sometimes may not even think that it's God's best for our life. But just because of the situation we're in, we cannot forget who God is and what God has done. Thank God that I'm not in prison this morning, like trying to like say, what would I preach to the church if I'm in prison? Be hard. It wasn't easy for John. But there may be something you're going in through in through right now that you're challenged, that you're struggling, that maybe you're wavering this morning and God wants you to know, remember what you saw and remember what you heard. He's gonna bring that back to your remembrance. So in our circumstances of wavering, we have to realize that pain always produces change in our life. Very rarely will we ever change when we're comfortable. If we're comfortable, we will not change. But pain is the tool, I believe, that God uses in our life. So the two times that people change is because they have to or because they want to. That's it. And I'll tell you what, a good pastor wants to help you to change. Just telling you, I want to be that catalyst that kind of nudges and, you know, I don't want you to lose your salvation, but I want you to be, be challenged into moving from where you are to where God wants you to be. I could preach a message that, oh man, I just feel so good about myself and you leave, but what benefit is that if you don't change? Right? Believe that God will show us what we need to do. So you have to realize you have to change or you want to change this morning. Some of you are gritting, holding on to that seat. Oh, I ain't going to change. It's going to be hard to change. It has to be a willingness or you get to the place where you have to change. So what can you do to help you change? Uh, can I help you? You know, you have to realize, you have to learn how to encourage yourself sometimes. You know, Paul, he was in prison. I mean, John, Paul was in prison too, but wrong story. Um, John was in prison. He had to learn to encourage himself. Right. There was nobody around. I mean, I guess the disciples could come around, but man, you imagine that moment they're here. Hey, I'm talking to him. Hey, go ask Jesus. The moment they leave, I'm back to my solitude of loneliness. We have to learn to encourage ourselves. Everyone struggles at some point in their relationship with God. I want you to realize that everyone struggles at some point in their Christian walk with their identity and understanding who God is. Maybe you haven't got there yet, but there may be something that happens where you get mad at God, where you get frustrated with God, where you say, Lord, it's not fair. But that never changes who God is. But God uses that situation to change us. We have to understand if God is good, then God is always good. But I think our perception, if God is bad, he's always bad. Like I think sometimes we have the wrong pers perspective of who God is. But a circumstance in life, a circumstance that we go through, that we survive through, that we barely live through. Anybody been through one of those? 
You didn't think you were going to make it or you judged God or you were mad at God. And, you know, you don't want to tell nobody because we're all church folks. Not that you completely lost your religion, but it tested your relationship. You either were going to trust that God was who he said he was or you were going to. You know, but I've seen people sever their relationship from God over hard things. Well, I guess God ain't the God that I know. Well, you might not have never known his heart and his character prior to that. Because you may be in it for just what he can do for you when it benefits you. But it's the hard things that promote change. So we have to encourage ourselves. We have to remember who God is. We have to remember what we've seen. We have to remember what we heard. 1 Samuel 3, 6, it says, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. So one moment in David's life, everybody was exalting him. The other one, they talked about stoning him. Now that's a bad day in a leader's life. If I had a threat on my door when I come up, when you show up at the nine o'clock service, we're going to stone you, pastor. Ooh, buddy, I don't know what I might say. Hey, Morgan, you're preaching this Sunday. I don't know if I would avoid, I would, but what, what, let, let's look at the response. He didn't avoid it. He, was, he, 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 had, he had turmoil in his heart. But what, he sa- what, what it says here is that the people were frustrated, you know, irritated. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. We have to strengthen our, ourselves. Let me tell you one way you can do that. I don't know if you pray in the spirit. That's a good time to pray in the spirit. If you don't pray, that's a good time to start praying. Do not remain silent. Allow God, share with God how you're feeling, where you're at, and then allow his presence to change that situation. Because John was still in prison, but I believe that there was hope when the report of the Lord came back. So you have to see, you have to hear, and you have to remember what you have previously seen and what you've heard. Number two, recognize the evidence, okay? So what was Jesus doing? John was in prison, so he could not see firsthand what Jesus was doing, but he asked his disciples, go as messengers. And they asked the question, are you the one? Should we expect someone else? Now, Jesus was the evidence of the miraculous signs, or, or Jesus' Jesus's miraculous signs were the evidence of who he was. You know, if, if you say, hey, I'm a professional ball player, I'm not going to believe it till I see you hit a home run or, or throw the ball so fast I can't. There has to be evidence to who you claim to be. So what Jesus was doing in the supernatural, because how many of you would agree that signs, wonders, healings, blind, the dead raising, that's a that's supernatural category. He was operating in a supernatural realm that was not necessarily from the earthly realm. It was something greater. So Jesus was evident, the evidence through his miraculous signs and wonders performed, it solidified him as the Messiah and the Son of God. Because a lot of us say, hey, don't tell me. Show me. So Jesus' response, he says, go tell John what you see and hear. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is being proclaimed to the poor. That was his response. You know, I told you uh, last week, Jesus always had an indirect way. He didn't say, yes, I am the son of God. He didn't do that here. He said, look at the signs. Look at the evidence. And when we look at the evidence, it always points back to God. Because only the creator of heaven and earth can cause a limb to grow out, that can, can, re, can reco- cause me to recover my sight, to cause my ears to be opened. Not just physically, but super, supernaturally. He didn't say who he was, but he proved who he was. John 14, 10 through 11, it says, rather it is the father, so this is Jesus talking here, it says, rather it is the father living in me who is doing 
his work. I want you to catch this. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is, is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Can, can I help you out this morning? Do you realize that God is okay with signs and wonders leading people to Jesus? We think that, oh, well, you just got to look at the cross. And if you come to church, I'll tell you what, when somebody who has never walked stands up for the first time, all of a sudden there is faith to believe unto salvation. He says, at least believe the evidence. At least believe the signs. God is in the signs and wonders business, not just for our own hype, but so that souls may be saved. So why does God want to move in this magnitude in the earth? It's not just to like say, oh man, look what's going on at our church. It is for the sake of saving souls. It is for the sake of stirring salvation unto God. Because I tell you what, you're in a moment like that, all of a sudden, whatever you thought, now you believe otherwise because you have seen and you have heard. Recognize the evidence, but understand that God is okay with signs and wonders leading people to Jesus. That's kind of the point, I think, behind them. So number one, we got to remember what you've seen and heard. Number two, you got to recognize the evidence. And number three, rest in who he is. So this is one of those things that we have to realize. Resting in him changes everything. How many of y'all are crazy stressed out because you try to do everything on yourself and you pray last? Nobody, everybody's lying. Come on, right? We get to the end of the rope. We get to the, the end of our lifeline and then we're like, God help me. It's like, man, I've been sitting here. It's like in a wrestling match in this world and you're like going in. You, you remember wrestling when you could tag, tag team? It's, it's all, all, man, just get over there and tag them. When you tag them, he is allowed into the game of your life now and he can begin to change the situation. But most of us are like, I got this, I got this. Devil done got you in a headlock, about to choke you out. I got it. You ain't got it. You about to die. Right? We have to come to our senses. We have to rest in something greater than ourselves. If we rest in ourselves, we've messed it up really, really well. If it's one thing you're really good at is messing stuff up. Amen? Lead to your, led to your own demise of you making the decisions that you think are best. You will make horrific decisions. But it's by the grace of God and us being able to rest in him that makes the walk of Christianity achievable. Right? It doesn't mean that we won't go through hard stuff. It just means that we can survive the hard stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that I will never almost be choked out, but that's the thing. I was almost choked out, and then I kind of kicked God's hand because I, I waited too long to respond, and he jumped in there, and he rescued me. Not by anything that I've done, but by what he's done. Look at your spiritual life just for a minute. Are you floundering on that wrestling mat, trying to handle it yourself? What are you doing? What do you look? What do you look at your life spiritually? Are you trying to handle it and, and deal with it with your own strength? I got this. I got something to prove. Tell you what, when I got saved, I realized I had nothing to prove because I had proved I needed salvation. And the pastor know he had a, he was pretty good at messing stuff up, but that pride, that arrogance, that self-dependence. You know what it does when we achieve things through our own strength? It brings a lot of glory to self, but it brings very little glory to God. So at the end of your life, if you want to look good, good luck with that. But at the end of my life, I would rather God look good through my life. And that's what people see.
All right. Man, I hope I can regurgitate all that in the first in the next service. We'll see. But Jesus is a secure foundation for those who know him, or he is a stumbling block for those who don't know him. That's the hardest thing about Christianity. When you know God's heart for you and who Jesus is and what he's done for you, you love him. When you don't know him and you don't have a relationship with him, you think he's the bad guy. Well, he's judging sin or he's showing me what's wrong. And he's show, really, he's just showing you your heart. He's leading you to a place of repentance. And that's a good God thing, right? Leading us to a place of godly repentance. One of the biggest moves that we will always make in the right direction of coming to know Jesus is realizing that we are sinners in need of grace. That we are all deserving of hell, even on our best day, that apart from the blood of Jesus, we are all deserving of death. You got that? If you want to debate that, come on, we'll talk to you later about that. that. We got to realize that we are utterly flawed on a path to hell. And if we do it within our own strength, we will never be good enough. It's only through Jesus. So we have to realize who he is. But, but that's, that's, the, that's the, the crazy thing about Christianity is like, man, when you know God and you know Jesus, it's a great thing. When you don't, sometimes that perception is, man. He does feel like the bad guy. Why is nothing going away? Why am I cursed? Why is da 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 da? Why is all these bad things happen to me? Well, bad things happen to Christians too. It's just a different perspective. Because I see the hope and the security of resting in Jesus. Versus I'm all alone, poor me. And just bad things are happening. I'm blaming a God I don't even have a relationship with. That's crazy, right? I don't believe in God, but I'm going to blame him when bad things happen. Okay? So he's a secure foundation for those who know him, but he's a stumbling block for those who don't know him. A steady foundation in your faith is critical to surviving the storms of life. Now, I know that John had to have some baseline established faith or he would have not done and been and he was living a life of being obedient to what God had called him to. But there was some foundation. But let me tell you what, even on that foundation, it seemed that as if he was wavering. He had to allow himself to stay rested in who God was. Now, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, we've all heard this passage says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I would challenge you this morning, is this what your Christian walk feels like? Does it feel easy and does it feel light? Or do you feel like overburdened? Because I would challenge you, if you're not just walking in peace and the grace of God and that the Christian walk, that doesn't, hear me out. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about not worrying about what you look like to God because you know you look good to God because of the blood of Jesus. It's not saying I'm perfect, I'm never going to mess up, but I know that I can rest assured that the work of Jesus in my life, that is the foundation that I can rest my hope in. Right? But if I'm walking around like I mess up or I sin and I'm like, oh, well, God, don't love me no more. Man, I guess I just got to work on being better. It's driven by works rather than faith. It's going to feel like a burden rather than a blessing. It's going to be heavy rather than light. So I want to challenge you. What is your faith resting in this morning? It has to rest on the sure foundation of who Jesus is, who he said he was, who God said he was, who his signs, his signs and wonders testified to who he was. This is who we're trusting in. But it should be easy. It should be light. It doesn't mean that we're arrogantly perfect. It means we're just humble and forgiven. 
that we rest on that foundation of who Jesus is and what he's done rather than anything that I can do. If you try to mess up or try not to mess up, it's just a matter of time. You will fail. But that's why Jesus came to cover all those failures. But God made following him easy and restful. You know, uh, God's really been showing me that when I say rest, he really wants to, uh, it's, not, it's not just physical sleep. It's being restful even when I'm awake, even when I'm working, even when I'm at my most busyness, that there is a spiritual rest in my spirit that, that only God can do, that only God can release. It's just staying in a place of rest. Now, I like taking naps. I love my days off. I take as many naps as I want. If I wake up and I'm still tired, I go back to sleep. You take one of those physical rest days every now and then. But what I need more than just one day a week, like sleeping like that, I need spiritual rest. I need to make sure that my life is on the foundation of Jesus. I need to rest in him and him alone. I need to get to that place of humility and say, Lord, if you don't change this in me, I can't stop doing it. Father, if you don't remove this way of thinking from my life, I'll keep thinking like that. Lord, if you won't, if you won't cause my mouth to close, I will keep saying stupid stuff. And often, Lord, if you don't change my heart, God, it will continue to be flawed and fractured. So today, I'm just inviting you to come and see who he is. If you're battling with the question, is he really the one? Is he who he said he was? I want you to begin to see what he's doing in and through you and all around you. I believe that as we go through this series that we are not only going to talk about Jesus, we're not only going to talk about signs and wonders, but God is going to reveal himself to us in a powerful way. And I'm believing that God will show himself to you in a way that you can't deny. You might walk away and say, well, that crazy church over there, I mean, that's fine. Your faith just couldn't handle what you saw. But I believe God will use that to bring you back. When you, when you realize that it was by the power and the spirit of God flowing through people, common people. People that need to encourage themselves, just like John. It's going to come moments you need to encourage yourself. But he uses those people by the power of his spirit to work in, through, in and through us. If you're burdened in following God, you're relying on what you can do. Or what you can't do, maybe, rather than relying on what God has already done in and through Jesus. Hebrews 6, 19, it says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. I can actually allow him to keep me secured on that firm foundation. When we know that Jesus is who he said he was, it helps us, it grows our faith. So number one, remember. I want you to pause just for a minute. Remember. Remember when you were, I got this little board. It says, I still remember praying for the things I have now. Think about that. I'm experiencing now what I believed God for a long time ago. I remember when I prayed for that and I have it now, Lord. 
or you work that in me or you remove that from my life. I still remember God when I prayed and I have it today. Secondly, recognize the evidence all around you. Not saying we should pray, Lord, give me signs and wonders so that I might believe. But today I say, Lord, if it's necessary, and I believe it's necessary for some. So today I say, God, give us signs and wonders that I can't explain, that I can't even relate to how the heck it happened, but I saw God. And we see his power flowing in and through us. Not because anything I've done, but because of who the spirit of God is in me. So recognize the evidence. And number three, rest in who he is, not on what you can or can't do. Can you stand up with me? You know, I've been thinking about uh, that our ministry church-wide, individually-wide, should look very, very similar to Jesus. And if your ministry or your church doesn't look like the ministry of Jesus, I would beg to differ and ask you, what are you even doing? Because it's not like we can say, oh, we got a better way. We can do it better than Jesus. Right? But our ministry should be very similar to what Jesus did and what he focused on. Jesus' model should be what we're doing. If our ministry doesn't look like Jesus, maybe we should question what we're doing. Maybe we should change what we're doing to look a little more like Jesus's. So this week, I want you to take some time. I don't know what your schedule looks like. I don't know how busy it, it is, but I want you to take some time to personally reflect. Personal reflection will change your life if you'll slow down enough to do it. I want you to take some time and personally reflect reflect on remembering recognizing and resting if you're a schedule person put it on the schedule because if it ain't on the schedule it doesn't get done maybe set that alarm 15 minutes before anybody in the house wakes up or stay up a little later than everybody stays up go on a walk find a place of solitude and then if you're married I encourage you guys to come back together and share what the Lord has showed you. It's important to know who Jesus was if we're to be followers of Jesus. Next week, we're going to look at the mission. What are we actually supposed to be doing? What are we actually supposed to be accomplishing? But if we're going to fulfill a mission... We need to know what Jesus did first. And that's why this message is so important leading into the next message. Because our mission should be very similar to what Jesus' mission was. Amen. So this morning I'm going to invite uh, the prayer team forward. And uh, I would say any of these areas that you are struggling with or you want additional prayer, I'm going to just encourage the prayer team to pray for you. Maybe you're having a hard time remembering. And let me tell you what, if you're here today, the grace of God is on your life. And maybe you've forgotten. You don't remember what Jesus has done for you. And maybe you just come up. And I believe that, man, God is just going to flood you with things to remember of what you have seen and what you've already heard. Because sometimes we're forgetful. 
Maybe you don't recognize all of the signs and wonders around you. So uh, really this morning, I'm just going to ask you, if you say, Pastor, I feel like I'm in a fog. I can't see. I don't see what you're seeing. There is a cloud. I'm believing that this morning that there would just be a clarity that you would recognize, that you would remember, and you would even realize this morning that you need to rest. Maybe you're just, man, flooring it, trying to get to heaven. And God just says, come and rest in me just a little while. Okay? So let me pray for you and bless you, and I'll release you. And this morning, if, if you say, man, I just feel like there's a, clo- a fog. I just can't see. I feel like, man, I, f- I hear what you're saying, but I, I'm just I'm having a hard connecting the dots with all, any one of these three or all three or whatever it is. And I'm just going to invite you just linger, hang out with us, come and let the prayer team pray for you. And I believe that that clarity will come. Amen? Lord, I thank you for each one here. And Father, I thank you that as we draw near to seeing you, God, that we will see you in your fullness. We will see you in your goodness. Father, we will see you on the mountaintop or we will see you in, in, in the prison. <laughs> whatever, it, whatever our life looks like, God, that we would see you. We would recognize you. We would remember. And, and that, Father, we would rest in you. Father, I pray that this week, as we go into the world, we go into our workplace, Father, I pray for just a mantle of your presence in our lives. Father, you said that we would do the same things that you did. Father, you even said we'd do greater things. And Father, because your spirit lives inside of us, the spirit is not limited, but often we limit what we see around us. So Father, I pray you grow our faith, that you go with us from this place. I pray your people are blessed physically, spiritually, emotionally. Father, I pray that you would just have your hand on their homes. Lord, I pray that even today, God, that they would enter into a season of rest because I know we all need it. Lord, as we go from this place, go with us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Love you guys. See you guys next week. Next week we're going to look at the mission. Come back with us and hang out. You guys be blessed. See you next week. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.